0: Hey, true crime friends, I'm Danny. And I'm Brenna. And this is Law Goes Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener's discretion is advised.
1: Welcome back, Branna, to our first case for Spooky Season. So this one is a full-blown case, not one of our bonus episodes. But I think at sometimes I might think you were thinking this is a bonus episode with how it lays out. It's, it gets a little weird. I will let you know. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's fun. Um, well, it was cool to research just with the different aspects that it does have and kind of the history behind it, which was really interesting to me yeah and if you have not checked out our halloween merch you better get your little butts over there they're so stinking cute i yes. love them so much it's
0: us as jack yes
1: <laughs> i asked my sister about that one <laughs> <laughs> whatever she whatever.
0: said that she put them
1: in different shapes so they weren't the same and i was like yeah
0: <laughs> no they're both super
1: cute they are really cute though okay and with that let's get started with our case so bren have you ever been trick-or-treating of course Okay. I figured that, but I want you to now tell me about the first trick-or-treating experience you remember.
0: Oh boy. I guess it's one of those that you see pictures and you're like, okay, I was that for that Halloween, but you don't really match it up to the actual event. Mm -hmm. But I think my first one that I remember is we would always go to my grandparents' neighborhood and trick-or-treat and one person had like a haunted house, mm. and I remember I was little, my parents were like, "No, like, don't do it." And I ended up not, but I like really, really <laughs> wanted to do it and then one year, I still get so upset. one year, my mom was like, "Why don't we go to the mall <laughs> and it was the lamest thing Aww. ever there was like a couple stores like handing out candy some stickers and i was just like so mad at my mom that we went to the mall rolling oaks mall, rolling mall- oaks. <laughs> if you're not it's local it's like yeah R. R. it's yeah. like why are, why is this mall yeah. still open it was so sad
1: Well, I just remember each year I wanted to be a gymnast, even though I was a gymnast every day of the week. My mom's like, Can you literally be anything else?
0: I was a gymnast a lot of times, but I was also a fairy.
1: Oh, that's a good one. A
0: couple times. I literally don't remember a costume that I was as a child outside of a gymnast. Really? My first, like, I was that weirdo. Teen that I wanted to be, like, Oh my god, I'm gonna be like a sexy something. I was a bee.
1: Oh my god, me too. Really? I was a sexy bee. Yes. <laughs> looking 15. Thin- Why did fifteen looking three yeah. as a sexy bee. Yeah. <laughs> with the tutu yeah. <laughs> and the stockings. Yes. Oh my god, picture it's so cringy.
0: Oh no. <laughs> Horrible.
1: Yeah. Well, today's case would not end up like our trick or treating experiences, but with murder. So let's take it back to Halloween night of 1957 in Sun Valley, California. And for those geographically challenged like myself, that's right outside of Los Angeles. It was a little after 11 p.m. when Betty Fabiano heard the doorbell ring. They had entertained trick-or-treaters most of the evening, but Betty sent her husband, 35-year-old Peter, to go get the door. As he walked to the door to open it, Betty hears her husband ask the trick-or-treaters, quote, isn't it kind of late for this sort of thing, end quote, and the person outside the Fabiano's house said, quote, no, end quote, in response. Shortly after that, Betty heard what sounded like a gunshot, a thud, wheels screeching, and a car speeding off. Betty rushes downstairs to a site that would haunt her memory forever. There, laying on the floor, was her husband, Peter, blood everywhere. Betty's 15-year-old daughter, Judy, one of two children she had from a previous marriage, sprinted to her neighbor's house where Bud Alper, an LAPA officer, lived, calling his officers who arrived moments later. But even with all of this and their efforts to save him, Peter would ultimately die on his way to the hospital from a shot to the chest by a thirty-eight caliber bullet
0: that ultimately was lodged below his heart. Yeah, that is definitely not a trick-or-treating experience I have ever experienced, and I know you're going to get to the why, but the only thing that's on my mind is like, what the heck, why kill yeah. a stranger yes. or if, if he was a stranger? We'll see, we'll see, we'll get there.
1: But I can't imagine what Betty and her children felt in that moment, and every Halloween after, knowing a celebrated tradition ended her husband's life. Phil, it is truly sickening when something like this happens and it sets an uneasy tone to something that was once so carefree. It's like the case I did last year where the father poisoned his own son to Halloween candy.
0: Yes, and literally every year it's like, the parents, oh, let me check your candy, let me check your candy, because of that one case, and Mm -hmm. we thought it would happen, like, every single year.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, after a certain point,
0: people don't answer the door to trick-or-treaters
1: or or Mm -hmm. leave their lights on because of things like this.
0: Well, it's so much more common now, like, my husband and I will set up a table Mm -hmm. outside in the driveway, like, we don't even, like, open our door to trick-or-treaters anymore. Wild. Now, I'm sure you and
1: everyone listening is wondering the same question. How did this happen? To answer that, let's take a quick peek into Peter's history. Peter served in the Marines during World War II, and to everyone who knew him and their family, they thought they were just the perfect all-American family. Peter most recently owned and operated a handful of beauty shops in the area that were doing quite well. Besides one minor run-in with the law in 1948 on a booking charge, no one could really see how this could happen. This type of case is not the norm for this area, and it caught media attention right away. Do you mind reading the quotes that I pulled from some articles?
0: Sure. Quote, the trick-or-treat murder, a murder as fantastic as the spirits of Halloween, end quote.
1: Now, those are not the typical headlines that you would see for something like this. I thought it was really interesting, the wording choices that they used, and kind of adding a whimsical feel to something so graphic. It more
0: lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. and it... it
1: It didn't sit well with me, but this definitely caught media attention really, really quickly. Word started to spread fast, and so did the suspect pool. Betty would reveal to police that she thought someone might fit the bill for this crime. An old friend, Joan Rabble. Now, Joan was 40 at the time and had been a freelance photographer for Peter Salon in the past and sparked a friendship with Betty. The two were close and would share intimate details about their lives to one another. It was during one of these talks that Betty expressed that some marital problems that she had been having were starting to get a little bit uneasy. Unlike what most people thought, this all-American couple had their issues as well. At one point, Peter and Betty ultimately separated, and it would be during this time Betty would live with Joan. This did not sit well with Peter. He did not like how close the two had become, and his proposition to get Betty back, he actually stated that the two could try again, but Betty would have to end her relationship with Joan. Now, what do you think that establishes, Brenna? A motive. Yes. So right. On November 16th, Joan was arrested, but Joan would hold strong that she had nothing to do with the murders, and she even pointed to the police that her vehicle had been parked outside of her door the entire evening, so there's no way she could be a part of this crime.
0: Wait, 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 wait. She got arrested? Yeah. They weren't even, like, talking to her? (laughs) They just straight up, like, arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap it up. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Police would later find out that though Joan's car did not leave, Joan did. A friend would let police know that that evening, Joan borrowed her car and drove 37 miles that night. I thought this fact Ooh. that she, I thought the fact that she knew this was quite interesting, but I think something like that was more common to keep note of during these times, like counting your mileage and things like yeah. that, was probably way more common. Less distractions. Now, at this point, Joan had been caught in a couple of lives, but insisted that she was not the person who killed Peter, which would actually turn out to be true. Joan was eventually
0: released from custody. Okay, so I guess you're going to get to this next, but who else would be a suspect? So that's a great question. And it will
1: segue me perfectly into my next point. A month later, the police would find the murder weapon. A thirty-eight caliber pistol would be found in a locker in a department store. Now, I'm not sure what these lockers were used for back then, but I'd really love to know. Do you have any ideas? Have you even heard of this? A locker in a department store? Yeah, it was like in a department store. They just had several lockers that had access to customers. I'm not sure. Maybe to put like
0: your purse while shopping? <laughs> so you just had to carry what your money? What do you money? need? <laughs> like, I
1: don't get it. That's probably why they're not yeah, around. Yeah, so. I don't know. I, I can was, only
0: think of like gym lockers, you know. Uh, the
1: only other thing I can think of is like maybe when you went to a store and your hands were full, you like put it in the locker
0: oh.
1: to like continue shopping, but I don't know. I feel like that's
0: so silly. Maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, I ha- I actually have no, I couldn't figure it out. And but. how did they find it? They were just clearing out all lockers? That is
1: a great question. I, I don't know how they found it. I Maybe someone was cleaning out the locker and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This, this is not gifts. This is not a uh, purchase. Maybe
0: layaway. Oh, maybe That's layaway. They kept layaway stuff.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. Regardless what they used for, what they found was a perfect match to the weapon that ultimately resulted in the demise of Peter. Now the next steps was to be find out who this locker belonged to. Now this is where Goldine Pizer would start to piece everything together for police. It turned out that Joan and Goldine had known each other what are the odds, right? Now these two kindled a friendship after Joan and Betty had come to an end. The pair were extremely close, so close that Goldine would commit the ultimate act in support of her friend. All of these details would be spilled to the police shortly after she was brought into for questioning. Joan and Goldine had known each other for about three years and the ladies talked a lot. I mean a lot. And many times the Fabianos would be brought up. Keep in mind that Goldine had never met either of them, but grew to hate Peter more and more after each story Joan would tell her. She even would describe him as a, quote, evil and vile man who was destroying everything around him, end quote. This would quickly turn into one of their main topics of conversation and how they would ultimately eliminate him from the problem.
0: Okay, so just to recap, Goldine and Joan were friends, but... Joan just talked about how much she hated her husband and how she wished that no, she was No, so dead.
1: Joan h- talked about how much she hated Peter, Betty's husband. Okay. So they would
0: talk <laughs> about another woman's oh, husband. Oh, what? Yeah, like it's so Yeah, weird. and Joan was homegirl that got arrested and they were like, bye. Mm-hmm. Betty is actually Peter's wife. Betty's Peter's <gasps> wife, yeah. And Betty wouldn't be around no, so they, so Joan
1: and Betty are no longer friends because remember for Peter and Betty to get back
0: together, she had to cut ties. So yes. she ultimately cut ties. So she's blaming it on Peter rather than, like, Joan, really.
1: Yes. So now because, you I mean, obviously the only common denominator here is the ending of friendships with Betty. So yeah. why, I mean, why else would you hate this man so much so that you would bring him up to another outside party that doesn't even know him, never met him, anything.
0: Yeah. And then
1: just talk about how horrible he was to the point where you guys are having conversations of how to ultimately kill him. Yeah.
0: Scandalous. so weird, right? Especially for the 50s. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's a lot of what they did was gossip.
1: Well, and speaking of that, I wasn't originally going to include this in here, but it was rumored, because, you know, this was the 50s, that both of these relationships for Joan were Lesbian. a little bit more than Okay. You think. That's what I, I, yeah. I
0: have at the back of my mind and I was like, well, so, I don't want to assume but like that would make sense that she would be so controlling over her because she was in mm-hmm. love with her. Well, and obviously why else would
1: Peter ultimately say, we can't get back together unless yeah. you stop being friends with her? That's a little, like, red flag right there. But then also, how do you get yourself in a situation where you're planning to murder a man just for a friend? Like, love you, girl. Yeah, but you would have to have, like, a really deep <laughs> connection. Like, it would be way more than friends. Yeah. Yeah. But they would continue on and on about how they would do this. Even quoted during her confession saying, quote, we were Undecisive whether we should use poison, a knife, or a gun, end quote. When they settled on their method, Joan gave Dean the money to purchase the weapon, and that Halloween night, the plan was in place for the two ladies to set off to the Fabiano's house. In costume, the two approached the doorstep a little after 11 p.m. with one intent in their mind. When Peter answered the door, he was attacked before he could even comprehend what was going on. The two women were charged with first-degree murder, where Joan would plead not guilty and Goldine would plead insanity.
0: Okay, this is maybe irrelevant, but do you know what they were dressed up as? So so I did Because do. Peter would have recognized
1: So it did look a little odd. One General. had a bag over her head and one like a was like a so what it was described as was like a domino painting, like half white, half black. And then one just had like a bag over her head with like a flannel shirt and jeans. So like just a like a paper bag? I'm not sure if it was like a paper bag oh, or what bag. it was, but it probably looked like a makeshift Halloween costume.
0: But like he should have been able to tell that these are full grown adults. They're not short. Well, he probably you know? could have thought they were
1: some punk little teenagers too, mm-hmm. you know. They're yeah. I mean, they're not... So their faces weren't visible. Their faces were not visible. Okay. And even to go back further, before they ultimately committed this act, Joan would actually take Goldine to Peter's beauty shop to show her what he looked like to make sure it was him who answered the door. But
0: yeah, they would have had to have... Bet that he had answered the door. Yeah, Granted, had, they did it very late, so they were like, "He's probably, probably not gonna, gonna be, be the one. one." Yeah,
1: yeah, but they sat outside. The, so they actually had pulled up to their home around nine o'clock, sat inside their car until eleven, until the lights went out to make sure that it was most likely going to be him to answer the door yeah. given the time frame
0: and joan she was the one that was arrested they let her go and then once they talked to Goldine, then they were like okay mm-hmm. arrested again she
1: let everything go as soon as police brought her in for questioning she just word vomited everywhere and spilled the beans and let but them go Dean
0: pled insanity she did for a while. so i
1: thought you would never ask this <laughs> so- now, Goldine would clean insanity, claiming that Joan would, quote, put a spell on her. Stop. <laughs> and was unable to control herself around her. Maybe she was a witch, or maybe we were just reaching, but the world may never know. Before the trial, ultimately, both women would take a plea deal for second-degree murder. I mean, just about the spell, like... Oh my gosh, that was... Does she to me in
0: witchcraft, or...? <laughs> to me,
1: that was reaching,
0: it was... Yeah, I was like, oh my god, I had no ability to stop myself. Well,
1: and it was interesting because she did plead insanity and then they ultimately took a plea deal, right? But mm-hmm. what was expressed through my research was that Goldine was very remorseful for what she had done
0: mm. and
1: where Joan had no remorse, no sign. At the point, she was even smirking and smiling at cameras and people. So it's like, I don't know how on one hand you're pleading insanity but very remorseful but the other one's pleading not guilty and is showing no signs of joan
0: pled insanity or no Goldine
1: pled insanity
0: okay and then joan was just kind of like confident probably because they were like oh we didn't find anything and she was released so she thought she could get away well and
1: you can definitely see in this story where Joan is manipulating Goldine. Like, she bought mm-hmm. her the gun. She made her pull the trigger. She was the one so telling her. She was her, just
0: good at manipulation. Yeah. Not a <laughs> witch. Not a <laughs> witch <laughs> casting <laughs> spells.
1: <laughs> but it's interesting because that's so methodical and thought out that yeah. you can't plead not guilty for something like that. Like, yes, you didn't ultimately pull the trigger. But you are the only reason this entire thing was orchestrated. But it
0: seems like she didn't think it out because what? She thought that after... Peter had died, Joan would be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm a supportive friend, can I move back in? And everything would be... I don't really know if she was looking to have Betty's friendship
1: rekindled, or if she she just just ultimately was so angry, she just wanted to eliminate him. But I would disagree, I think she planned it out to a T, even to the point of talking about her car, how she didn't ultimately touch anything that would she really would
0: blame it all All on on. if she couldn't get away with it she would blame it all on yeah and
1: there were different sources that's why i originally didn't include it but when the two ladies left joan made some remark to goldine of basically like forget you've ever known me type of situation mm. to where it's like okay what part of the relationship were you ultimately trying to get something from her and what part of it was actually a friendship and then you guys and she just she probably just used
0: her is yeah. what i'm thinking
1: yeah but i think the system did ultimately get it right eventually but i don't know i don't know i go back and forth cuz i i feel like if goldine was really actually remorseful and upset and all of those things. Obviously she deserved to be put in jail. But where Joan is showing no signs of remorse, nothing, I don't really ultimately see how they both should have received the same sentence. But I also oh, did get they,
0: how how what was the sentencing? Second degree murder. About well, how long did they so, serve? So we'll get there. Okay. <laughs>
1: Now, the strange thing after this case is that no one really knows what happens to Joan after her sentencing. It was rumored that Goldine was released after 14 years. I say rumored because I saw varying materials within my research. But for Joan, there was nothing on a release date, an update, or even a death. It was like she vanished into thin air after sentencing. So this case couldn't get spooky enough. So did she maybe change her name? I don't know. On multiple places. Because I was like, this is a joke. This is a hoax. Yeah. Multiple places. It was nothing heard from her. On Goldeen, they reported her death. They reported some sort of release date. Like, I do think she was ultimately released. I don't know what time frame she was. I don't think other people are very clear on that either. But some sort of release happened. There was some sort of life update. And ultimately, her death was reported. And after Joan, after sentencing and she'd gone to prison, there was nothing.
0: Wow. Not even a death date. Pretty. I mean, it was almost 70 years ago. So it's like, okay, they could have just lost the records. But I'm also like, there's enough sluice nowadays.
1: (laughs) And like, what are the odds
0: of like all of these things happening
1: on Halloween night? the Way they decided to orchestrate their murder, and then afterwards, she just
0: vanishes after putting a spell so on maybe another woman. She was a witch. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Ooh, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think there's probably an easy answer of like, oh, of course, they just lost the records, but yeah, it's, it's like, more fun to speculate. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, what especially if? With cases what like if? Those. Yeah.
1: Well, with that, we will conclude today's episode. We'd love to hear your feedback on this one. Leave us a comment or review. If you have a case suggestion, reach out to us through our website, logostories.com. You can check out all the source materials for this episode while you're there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at LagoStories. Stories. We'll be back with a new episode next week. So until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world.
0: Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound nightmare for theme music.